After reciting the Tashahud Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalif the Masih the fifth Ayyadahullah Ta'ala ibn Islazi stated, In the previous sermon, whilst mentioning an incident of the disbelievers of Makkah being overawed by the Muslims was related, wherein it was stated that a disagreement between Abu Jahl and Utbah ensued regarding the battle. Upon hearing the taunts of Abu Jahl, Utbah declared that he would take part in the war, and hence a battle commenced. In the details regarding this, it is written that Utbah bin Rabia set out, walking between his brother Shaiba bin Rabia and his son Walid bin Utbah. They crossed all ranks and asked for a duel. Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu relates that Utbah bin Rabia stepped forward, followed by his son and brother, and asked who would fight him. Some young men from the Ansar answered his call. Utbah asked the Ansar who they were. They told him who they were. Utbah replied to them, We are not concerned with you. We only seek to fight our uncle's sons. Meaning that he only wanted to fight the Quraysh, the people of Makkah, and not the Ansar. He then loudly proclaimed, O Muhammad, send forth our equals from among our relatives in order to fight us. Upon this, the Holy Prophet said, O Hamza, step forward. Arise, O Ali, go forth, O Ubaidah bin Harith. Hazrat Hamza was the paternal uncle of the Holy Prophet, and Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Ubaidah were his paternal cousins. Hazrat Ali says, Hamza marched towards Utbah. I advanced towards Shaiba. Hazrat Ubaidah and Walid fought each other fiercely and both of them had wounded and weakened the other. Following our respective duels, we turned towards Walid. We then killed him and picked up Hazrat Ubaidah and brought him back. 
Hazrat Hamza and Hazrat Ali had already killed their opponents. When Hazrat Hamza and Hazrat Ali brought their companion, Hazrat Ubaidah, back to the army, his foot had already been severed. When he came before the Holy Prophet, he said, O Messenger of Allah, وسلم, am I not a martyr? The Holy Prophet replied, You are certainly a martyr. Hazrat Ubaidah, the paternal cousin of the Holy Prophet, could not recover from these wounds and passed away on the journey back from Badr. With regards to Hazrat Ubaidah bin Haris, it is mentioned in a narration that when his foot was severed by the sword, his companions carried him back. When he was brought to the Holy Prophet, he was placed beside him. The Holy Prophet placed his blessed foot under Ubaidah's foot and with an expression of devotion, Ubaidah looked to the Holy Prophet and said, O Messenger of Allah, if Abu Talib were alive today, he would know that I am most entitled to his words. Following this, he recited the couplets of Abu Talib, the translation of which are as follows. By the house of Allah, you lied that Muhammad would be left alone. Until now, we have not even defended him through our spears or arrows. You have lied that we will hand him over to you. For this, you will have to walk over our corpses, a time when we would be heedless of even our own sons and daughters. Hearing this, the Holy Prophet said, I am a witness that indeed you are a martyr. There is a mention of a prayer of Abu Jahl on this occasion. When the two armies faced one another, i.e. when the full-scale battle was about to commence, Abu Jahl prayed, O God, today destroy the one among us who breaks the ties of kinship and speaks of that which we have never heard of. In relation to this, the Promised Messiah writes, During the Battle of Badr, a man named Amr bin Hisham, who later came to be known as Abu Jahl and was the chieftain and ringleader of the Quraysh, prayed in the following words, Allahumma man kana minna afsada fil qawm wa aqta'a liraham fa'ahinhu al-yawm Meaning, O God, whoever among us, here he means himself and the Holy Prophet, in your estimation is the most rebellious of our people and is causing disunity and is becoming the means of breaking the ties of kinship by severing familial bonds and depriving the people of their rights. Destroy him today. What Abu Jahl meant by these words was that God forbid the Holy Prophet was a mischief maker who had created tension among the people and that he was unjustly creating discord within the religion of the Quraysh and that he had violated all the rights of the people and became the means of cutting the ties of kinship. 
It seems that Abu Jahl was certain that, God forbid, the life of the Holy Prophet was unholy and impure. It was then that he made the heartfelt prayer. Yet, he was unable to live perhaps even an hour after making this prayer, and the wrath of God struck him and cut his head off in that very place. On the other hand, the one whose pure life he used to slander emerged from that battlefield victorious. The scenes of the battlefield have been described in one place that there was blood all over the battlefield. Facing the Muslims was a threefold army, i.e. three times larger, which went forth to battle to completely efface Islam from the face of the earth. Whilst well equipped with all kinds of military gear. The Muslims, on the other hand, were fewer in number and had inadequate equipment and suffering from the effects of poverty and being exiled from their homeland. In terms of apparent means, they were no match for the Meccans and should have been destroyed within a matter of minutes. However, the Muslims were intoxicated in the love of the unity of God and Allah's Messenger, and they were imbued with an extraordinary strength through it, and there was nothing stronger than this in the world i.e. having true faith. At that moment on that battlefield, they were displaying such an example of service to the faith, which has no equal. Each individual was vying with one another in advancing forward, and they seemed restless in laying down their lives in the way of God. Hamza, Ali and Zubair had torn through the enemy lines. It is recorded with regards to the first martyr among the Muslims that Hazrat Mehja, the freed slave of Hazrat Umar, was made a target of arrows and thus was martyred. He was the first among the Muslims to embrace martyrdom. Thereafter, Hazrat Haritha bin Suraka, a person from among the Banu Adi bin Najjar tribe, attained martyrdom. He was drinking water from a reservoir when an arrow was shot in his direction which hit him in his neck, resulting in his martyrdom. Hazrat Anas relates that Hazrat Harsa bin Suraka bin Haris was martyred in the Battle of Badr while he was still a youth. His mother, Rubaiya bint Nadr, the aunt of Hazrat Anas, went to the Holy Prophet and said, O Messenger of Allah, you know full well the regard I had for Harsa. If he is in paradise, then I shall remain patient and hope for a reward. But if it is anything other than this, then you will see what I shall do. The Holy Prophet replied, Alas, have you gone mad? Is there only one paradise? The Holy Prophet then said, There are many paradises, and your son is in Jannat al-Firdaus. It is written in relation to the passion and resolve displayed by the companions for jihad that the Holy Prophet said, 
Whoever fights today with patience and deeming it a reward without fleeing, God shall make them enter paradise. When Umair bin Hammam of the Banu Salama heard this, he had some dates in his hand which he was eating at the time. Hearing this, he said, How excellent is this! The only thing between me and paradise is if these people kill me. He then picked up his sword and fought until he was martyred. Auf bin Haris, son of Afra, asked the Holy Prophet, O Messenger of Allah, what action of his servant pleases Allah the Almighty? He answered, to slay an enemy without wearing armor, etc. Upon this, he removed all his armor and threw it away, and after slaying many disbelievers, he was martyred. In a narration of Sahih al-Bukhari regarding the killing of Abu Jahl, Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf states, I was standing in the rows during the Battle of Badr. When I looked around, I saw two young boys to my right and left. And their presence there did not leave me with a sense of security. I thought to myself that these are young men or boys. How can they protect me? I did not feel safe. All of a sudden, one of them quietly asked me in a way so that the other would not be able to hear, Uncle, show me where Abu Jahl is. I replied, My nephew, what have you got to do with Abu Jahl? He replied, I have made an oath to Allah that if I find him, I shall kill him or be killed attempting it. Then the other boy quietly asked me the same thing in a way the other would not hear. Hazrat Abdul Rahman says, It would have pleased me more to have two grown men in their place, meaning that despite their zeal and passion, he was not convinced and still desired for two strong men to his right and left. He says, I pointed towards Abu Jahl and told both of them. Immediately after hearing this, both of them pounced upon him like hawks and slayed him. These two boys were Muaz and Muawiz, the children of Afra. Hazrat Muaz states, I heard people claim that no one would be able to get to Abu Hakam, and so I resolved that I would certainly attack him. Hence, I leapt towards him, and with a single strike of my sword, I cut his leg from the knee down. Ikrama, his son, then attacked me and severed my hand, and it was only dangling by its skin. The entire day I continued to fight in the state, and when my pain exceeded, I placed my foot on my hand and tore it off. Upon the conclusion of the battle, the Holy Prophet stood amongst the slain and began to search for Abu Jahl. When he could not find him, he prayed, Allahumma la tu'ajizni fir'auna hadhil ummah, meaning, O oh Allah, do not allow me to suffer defeat against the Pharaoh of this ummah. Do not allow him to escape from here. Following this, people began to search for him, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud eventually found him. According to another narration, 
It states that the Holy Prophet also prayed the following, O Allah, do not allow him to escape from your grip. When the Holy Prophet ordered the people to find the body of Abu Jahl, Abdullah bin Mas'ud came across him while searching amongst those who had been slain. The Holy Prophet stated, If you are not able to identify him, then you can recognize him by the wound mark on his knee. Once, on the occasion of a meal hosted by Abdullah bin Judan, I pushed Abu Jahl with such force that he fell on his knees and he wounded his knee and the mark of the wound still remains on his knee. Ibn Mas'ud states, I managed to identify him by that very mark and at the time he was breathing his last. I placed my foot on his neck since he had tormented me a great deal in Makkah. I then said, O enemy of God, have you seen how God has humiliated you? Upon this he said, What is the reason for me to feel humiliated? So what if you manage to kill someone? There is nothing more to it. However, have you ever killed someone who possesses a loftier rank than me? Now tell me, who was victorious in the battle? Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud states, In his final moments, whilst I had my foot placed on his neck, Abu Jahl said to me, O oh, you lowly shepherd, You have set foot on a place where you should not have. Abdullah bin Mas'ud states, I then severed his head and brought it before the Holy Prophet and placed it in his feet and humbly submitted, O Messenger of Allah, this is the head of Abu Jahl, the enemy of God. Upon this, the Holy Prophet expressed his gratitude to God and said, Allahu ladhi la ilaha ghayru, meaning holy is he who has no partner. This is a narration from Ibn Hisham. In another narration, when Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood killed Abu Jahl, he came before the Holy Prophet and informed the Holy Prophet about Abu Jahl's death. The Holy Prophet then walked alongside Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood and stated, By Allah, there is none worthy of worship except him. Abdullah Masood also repeated the same that by Allah there is none worthy of worship except him. The Holy Prophet then stood beside the dead body of Abu Jahl and said, O enemy of Allah, may all praise be to Allah who has humiliated you. Hazrat Qatada narrates that the Holy Prophet stated, Every Ummah has a Pharaoh and the Pharaoh of my Ummah is Abu Jahl. Allah the Almighty caused him to be killed severely. The two sons of Afra attacked him as well as the angels and Abdullah bin Mas'ud put him to an end. The promised Messiah salam, says, Abu Jahl has been described as Pharaoh, but in my view, he was far worse than the Pharaoh because after all, the Pharaoh had proclaimed, Amantu annahu la ilaha illalladhi amanat bihi banu Israel. meaning I believe that there is no God but He in whom the children of Israel believe. 
However, he did not accept at all. All of the disorder in Makkah was owing to him. He was extremely arrogant, selfish and pretentious. The Promised Messiah states, Just like Prophet Moses, the Holy Prophet also saved the pious people of his nation from the brutal and bloodthirsty people and he took them from Makkah to Medina, just like Prophet Moses did. Abu Jahl, who was the pharaoh of this ummah, perished in the battlefield of Badr. Hazrat Muslim states, On the occasion of Badr, when the disbelievers of Makkah came, they were convinced that now they will surely kill the Muslims. Abu Jahl stated that they would celebrate and drink lots of wine. They were determined to not return without killing the Muslims. However, Abu Jahl was killed by two youths of Medina. The disbelievers of Makkah would consider the people of Medina to be extremely lowly people and would refer to them as farmers. They thought that these people only knew how to grow vegetables and cultivate land and were unacquainted with the art of warfare. Nevertheless, these two youths killed him and he was made to endure such humiliation that even his final wish could not be fulfilled. It was a custom amongst the Arabs that if any leader was killed in battle, his head would be severed by striking him at the lower end of his neck, so it remained long and served as a sign that a leader had been slain. Abdullah bin Mas'ud found Abu Jahl whilst he was wounded and not moving at all. He asked him his condition and Abu Jahl replied that he was not sorrowful over anything except the fact that he had been killed by two farming children of Medina. Abdullah then asked if he had any last wish, to which he replied that his only wish was for his head to be severed from the lower end of his neck. Upon this, Abdullah bin Masul stated that he would not allow even this wish of his to be fulfilled and forcefully cut his neck from just below the chin. What he thought was going to be an occasion of celebration became the occasion of his death and the alcohol he had consumed had not even been properly digested. In relation to stones being thrown from the Holy Prophet at the idolaters, it is written in Sahih Bukhari that when the Holy Prophet was in his tent praying, Hazrat Abu Bakr held his hand and said, O Messenger of Allah, please stop. You have prayed extensively before your Lord. At the time, the Holy Prophet was wearing his chainmail and came out of his tent and was reciting, Sayyuhazamul Jam'u wa yuwalluna dubur meaning very soon they shall all be defeated and this indeed is the hour regarding which they were warned from before. This hour is going to be extremely hard and challenging for them. The details of this have been written in Seed Khatam al-Nabeen by Hazrat Mirza Bashir Masaid as follows. Hence, be it Muhajireen or Ansar, both fought valiantly and sincerely However, the enemy numbers and its strength in equipment proved to be an almost indestructible force and the outcome of war remained ambiguous for some time. The Holy Prophet was continuously engaged in fervent supplications and his agony multiplied moment by moment. However, finally, after quite a long time, the Holy Prophet rose from prostration and stepped out of his tent reciting the following divine glad tiding, Sayyuhzamul Jamal wa yuwalluna dubur In the commentary of the verse of Surah Al-Anfal, 
Imam Razi writes, When the Quraysh launched an attack, the Holy Prophet prayed, O Allah, the people of the Quraysh have brought their horses and prized possessions in order that they reject and deny your messenger. O Allah, I seek of you what you promised to me. Upon this, Gabriel appeared and said, O Messenger of Allah, take a handful of sand and cast it towards the disbelievers. When the two armies clashed, the Holy Prophet instructed Hazrat Ali to bring a handful of sand and pebbles from the valley, which he threw at the faces of the disbelievers, saying, Shahatil Wujuh, that is, that made their faces be ruined. As a result, the disbelievers began to wipe their eyes, were ultimately defeated. Then Allah the Almighty stated, That is, it was not you who threw the handful of sand, for your throw would only have the impact of a human throw. In truth, it was Allah who threw it, owing to which the sand entered their eyes. Although the Holy Prophet carried out the act of throwing, its impact manifested through Allah the Almighty. Whilst describing events from this battlefield, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib writes, Stepping out of his tent, the Holy Prophet cast a glance in all four directions to find the field of battle heated by bloodshed. At that time, the Holy Prophet took a handful of sand and pebbles and threw them towards the disbelievers and fervently called out, Shahatil Waju, meaning may their faces be ruined. Then the Holy Prophet called out to his companions to launch a sudden attack. When the voice of their beloved master reached their ears, they raised a slogan of God's greatness and pushed forward with an instant assault. On the other hand, the Holy Prophet had only just thrown a handful of sand when a gust of wind began to fill the eyes and mouths and noses of the disbelievers with pebbles. The Holy Prophet said, This is an army of God's angels who have come to support us with divine succor. In some narrations, it has also been related that at the time, some people even saw these angels. In any case, chieftains like Utba, Sheba and Abu Jahl had already been mixed to dust. As a result of this instant attack by the Muslims and a sudden gust of wind, the Quraysh began to lose strength and panic quickly erupted in the army of the Quraysh. The field of battle was cleared in no time. The Promised Messiah states, At this level of communion with God, sometimes humans are able to carry out such actions that are beyond human capabilities and take on divine strength and colour. For instance, our master and leader of all prophets, the seal of prophets, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, threw a handful of pebbles upon the disbelievers during the battle of Badr. And that handful of pebbles was not thrown by means of prayer, but through his own spiritual strength. However, that handful of pebbles manifested with godly force and fell upon the enemy forces in such a miraculous way that there was none among them whose eyes had not been impacted. They all became as though they were blind and were overcome by astonishment and anguish, causing them to run senselessly. It is this miracle to which Allah the Almighty alludes to in this verse, that is, when you threw that handful, it was not you that threw it, but God Almighty threw it. 
In other words, divine power manifested covertly. This was not as a result of mere human strength. Nonetheless, within a short amount of time, the idolaters showed signs of failure and frustration. Their ranks were in disarray due to the vehement attack of the Muslims. They began to panic and run about. The Muslims pursued and defeated them. Regarding the strong passion and zeal of Hazrat Saad in his opposition to the disbelievers, it is recorded that when the enemy finally admitted defeat and threw down their weapons, the companions began capturing the disbelievers. Upon this, the Holy Prophet saw displeasure in Hazrat Saad's expression. In other words, he was looking towards the Muslims' course of action with displeasure. The Holy Prophet addressed Hazrat Saad and said, O Saad, it seems as though you are dissatisfied with imprisoning the idolaters. Hazrat Saad submitted, Indeed, O Messenger of Allah, this is our first battle and victory against the idolaters. And in my opinion, it is better to kill as many of them as possible as opposed to keeping them alive. He expressed that he did not wish to imprison them, rather he desired to kill them all. In respect to the angels descending during the battle of Badr, Allah the Almighty states in the Holy Quran, إِذْ تَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ فَاسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ أَنِّيمُ بِدُّكُمْ بِأَلْفٍ مِّنَ الْمَلَائِكَةِ مُرْدِفِينَ meaning when you implored the assistance of your Lord and he answered you saying, I will assist you with a thousand of the angels following one another. The Holy Prophet has also testified to the fact that angels descended during the Battle of Badr. On the day that Battle of Badr took place, the Holy Prophet said, Behold, Gabriel, he is holding the reins of his horse and is equipped with weapons of warfare. Many narrations of the companions recorded in Sirat ibn Hisham confirm that angels descended during the Battle of Badr. There are many narrations of the companions pertaining to this. The angel Gabriel appeared before the Holy Prophet and said, Among the Muslims, how do you rank the people of the Battle of Badr? The Holy Prophet replied, They are the best Muslims, or a statement to this nature. Gabriel replied, in the same manner, those angels are the most superior who participated in the Battle of Badr. One biographer has also recorded a narration of Hazrat Ibn Abbas, who states, A man from the Bani Ghafar told me the following, My paternal cousin and I climbed a mountain from which we could see the battlefield of Badr. We were idolaters and were waiting to see who would face defeat so that we could join those who plunder. Whilst we were on the mountain, a cloud drew near to us. From it we could hear the sound of horses neighing. Then I heard a voice which called out, O Hazel, move forward. Upon hearing that voice, my paternal cousin's heart burst, and he died there and then. As for me, I too was near death. However, I was able to hold myself together. Sohail bin Amr who was a disbeliever at the time, says, On the day of the Battle of Badr, I saw people in white riding black and white spotted horses. They were between the heavens and the earth and were killing and capturing the people of the Quraysh. 
Thus, it was not only the Muslims who witnessed angels during the Battle of Badr, but the disbelievers saw them also. Abu Usaid Malik bin Rabia, who was present during the Battle of Badr, narrates an incident after he had lost his vision. He said, Had I been at Badr today, and I still had my vision, when he said this, he had already lost his vision. However, he was relating something about Badr, when he was still able to see and he witnessed the Battle of Badr with his own eyes. Then I would certainly have shown you that valley where the angels came out from. I have no doubt or confusion about this. Abu Daud Mazani, who was present at the Battle of Badr, narrates, No doubt, on the day of the Battle of Badr, I chased after a disbeliever in order to attack him, when all of a sudden I saw that his head was severed before my sword even reached him. I realized that someone else had killed him. Hazrat Abdullah bin Abbas narrates that on the day of Badr, the angels could be recognized by their white turbans, with the ends hanging on their backs. While on the day of Hunayn, they were recognized by their t- red turbans. Hazrat Ali narrates that the turban is an Arab's crown, and on the day of Badr, the angels could be recognized by their white turbans, which were hanging on their backs. But Gabriel was wearing a yellow turban. Hazrat Ibn Abbas narrates that the angels did not fight in any battles aside from the Battle of Badr. They participated in other battles only to increase numbers and help. However, they did not actually fight anyone. This narration is from Sirit ibn Hisham. Some people think that the sending of angels was only for the believers as a form of glad tidings and to give them comfort. Otherwise, the angels did not actively take part in the war. This thought contradicts authentic narrations. It is proven through authentic narrations that the angels actively took part in the battle. However, the issue arises that a single angel would have been enough to help. Then why did thousands of angels descend? After citing the narrations from Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim about angels descending during the battle, Imam Ibn Kathir writes, The angels being sent by Allah and the Muslims being informed of this was a form of glad tidings. Otherwise, Allah could have helped the Muslims against the disbelievers even without this. This is why he has stated that help comes only from Allah. And in Surah Muhammad, Allah said that if he desired, he could have taken retribution from the disbelievers himself, if he so desired. However, he tries people. Hazrat Muslim states, During the Battle of Badr, God Almighty manifested himself from the clouds. In other words, the battle had not yet started when it rained, which caused the disbelievers great loss and rendered the believers great benefit from the standpoint of war. Then, in order to help the believers and to establish their awe over the disbelievers, the angels also descended upon the hearts. In fact, during the Battle of Badr, there were many disbelievers who saw them with their own eyes, and in accordance with the matter decreed, the Arab chieftains were killed one by one. Similarly, in Tafsir Sagir, in the explanatory note under Surah Al Imran, verse 127, it is written. The only reason angels have been mentioned is because when a person receives glad tidings in a dream or a vision, it increases their resolve. Otherwise, the actual message was that God would help them. In any case, 
This was a vision which appeared as reality, which was seen by others, even the non-Muslims. The Promised Messiah writes about this in At-Tabligh, which is a part of Aynakamalat al-Islam, which is in Arabic. The Arabs sometimes say that when I read longer passages, it poses difficulties for them in translation, and so I try to also read out the Arabic. The Promised Messiah al states, وَقَدْ جَرَتْ عَادَتُهُ وَسُنَّتُهُ أَنَّهُ يَخْتَارُ الْإِخْفَاءَ وَالْكَتْمَ فِي وَاقِعَاتٍ قَدَتْ حِكْمَتُهُ إِخْفَاءَهَا وَيَخْلُقُ الْأَهْوَاءَ فَتُحْشَرَ الْآرَاءُ إِلَى جِهَاتٍ أُخْرَى وَإِذَا أَرَادَ إِخْفَاءَ سُورَةِ نَفْسٍ وَاقِعَةٍ فَرُبَّمَا يُرِي فِي تِلْكَ الْمَوَادِعَ الْوَاقِعَةَ الْكَبِيرَةِ صَغِيرَةً مَهُونَةً وَالْوَاقِعَةَ الصَّغِيرَةَ الْمَسْنُونَةَ كَبِيرَةً نَادِرَةً وَالْوَاقِعَةَ الْمُبَشِّرَةَ مُخَوَّفَةً وَالْوَاقِعَةَ الْمُخَوَّفَةُ مُبَشِّرَةً فهذه أربعة أقسام من الواقعات من سنن الله كما مضى أما الواقعة الكبيرة العظيمة التي أراد الله أن يريها صغيرة حقيرة فنذيرها في القرآن واقعة بدر لمن يتدبر ويراه فإن الله قلل أعداء الإسلام ببدر في منام رسوله ليذهب الروع عن قلوب المسلمين ويقضي ما أراد من القضاء وأما الواقعة التي أراد الله أن يريها كبيرة نادرة فنذيرها في القرآن بشارة مدد الملائكة كي تقر قلوب المؤمنين ولا تأخذهم خيفة في ذلك المأوى فإن تعالى وعد في القرآن للمؤمنين وبشرهم بأنه يمدهم بخمسة آلاف من الملائكة وما جعل هذا العدد الكثير إلا لهم بشرة لأن فردا من الملائكة يقدر بإذن ربه على أن يجعل عالي الأرض سافلها فما كان حاجة إلى خمسة آلاف بل إلى خمسة ولكن الله شاء أن يريهم نصرة عظيمة فاختار لفظا يفهم من ظاهر كثرة الممدين وأراد ما أراد من المعنى ثم نبه المؤمنين بعد فتح بدر أن عدة الملائكة ما كانت محمولة على ظاهر ألفاظها بل كانت مؤولة بتأويل يعلمه الله بعلمه الأرفع والأعلى وفعل كذلك لتطمئن قلوبهم بهذه البشرة ويزيدهم حسن الظن والرجاء
The translation is, it has always been Allah the Almighty's practice and custom to keep those matters hidden which require the wisdom behind them to remain hidden and where the people's desires and opinions are contrary to the reality at hand. Sometimes he shows a great incident to appear small and insignificant or expresses a small incident to appear grand and extraordinary. Sometimes he makes an incident of glad tidings to appear as a warning or a warning to appear as a glad tiding. These are the four types of incidents which continue according to the practice of Allah the Almighty. There was a great incident of Badr which Allah the Almighty desired to make it appear as if it were minor and an insignificant matter. Hence whosoever desires to should ponder and open their eyes. On the occasion of Badr, Allah showed the Holy Prophet a dream in which the enemies of Islam seem smaller in number. So that the Muslims would not fear them and so that Allah's desire would come to fruition. Then that which Allah desired to appear grand and extraordinary has been likened in the Holy Quran to the glad tidings of the help of angels in order to ease the hearts of the believers and so that they would have no fear during the battle. Hence, in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty promised the believers and gave them the glad tidings that He would grant them help with 5,000 angels. This help was expressed to be greater so that it may be a form of glad tidings for them. Even though a single angel holds the power to destroy the earth upon the command of his Lord. Hence, there was no actual need for five, let alone five thousand. However, Allah the Almighty desired to manifest his esteemed help, and so he used such words that expressed the great number of those rendering help, and this is exactly what is meant. Then after the victory of Badr, he informed the believers that the number of angels was not limited to mere words. Rather, its actual meaning was that which Allah the Almighty, the Most High and Exalted knows. Allah did this so that through this glad tiding, He may grant their hearts ease and to increase them in positive thinking and hope. Regarding the defeat suffered by the disbelievers, it is written that after a short while the disbelieving army began to show signs of defeat and helplessness when the open warfare began. Their ranks were completely upended by the fierce attacks of the Muslims. The battle was almost over, as was mentioned earlier, and the disbelievers retreated in an unorganized manner and it turned into a stampede. The Muslims followed them, killing them, striking them and capturing them until they meted out a resounding defeat. In one narration it is mentioned that this battle was a humiliating defeat for the idolaters and a manifest victory for the Muslims. In the battle, 14 Muslims were martyred, 6 were from the Mahajirin and 8 from the Ansar. In contrast, the idolaters suffered a heavy defeat, 70 of their men were killed and 70 were captured, most of whom were the prominent chieftains and leaders of the Quraysh. 
The companions who were martyred in the Battle of Badr numbered 14 in total, as mentioned before. Six of them were from the Muhajireen and eight were from among the Ansar. The name of the Muhajireen were Ubaidah bin Harith bin Muttalib, Umair bin Abi Waqas, Dhushamalain, i.e. Umair bin Amr, Akil bin Bukair, Mehja, the freed slave of Umar bin al-Khattab, Safwan bin Bayda. The companions among the Ansar were Saad bin Khaythama, Mubashir bin Abdul Mundir, Yazid bin Harith, Umair bin Humam, Rafi bin Mu'alla, Harsa bin Suraka. Among the idolaters, 70 men were killed. majority of whom were the chieftains of the Quraysh. The prominent names of those who were killed are as follows. Hanzala bin Abi Sufyan, Haris bin Hadrami, Ahmad bin Hadrami, Ubaid bin Saeed bin Alas, As bin Saeed bin Alas, Uqba bin Abi Mu'ayt, Utba bin Rabia, Shaiba bin Rabia, Walid bin Utba bin Rabia, Haris bin Amir Abdul Bakhtari, As bin Hisham, Nadar bin Haris, Abul As bin Qais, As bin Hisham has been mentioned twice, or they are two separate people. Umayyah bin Khalaf, Abu Jahl, whose name was Amr bin Hisham. Majority of these people were those who would inflict harm on the Muslims and the Holy Prophet in Mecca. God willing, the remaining accounts will be mentioned in the future. I would like to draw your attention towards offering prayers. Pray for the Muslims of Palestine. May Allah create ease for them, support the oppressed, and grant them leaders who fulfill their rights, rightfully guide them, and strive to save them from injustices. They are having to endure extreme oppression and it seems as if there is no one to take care of them and guide them. If the Muslims become united, they can avert these difficulties. Similarly, in Sweden and in some other countries, the wrongdoers have been given the permission to do whatever they wish in the name of freedom of speech and religion. Through this, day in, day out, they are perpetrating acts that hurt the sentiments of Muslims. Their actions are absolutely despicable. They dishonor the Holy Quran or use abusive language against the Holy Prophet Allah the Almighty is the one who can seize them. Even for this, the Muslim governments are at fault because owing to their disunity and quarrels, the anti-Islamic organizations carry out these wrongful acts. If there is a response from the Muslims, it is only temporary. And even then, it is ineffective. Thus, pray earnestly for the leaders of the Muslim world and the Muslim Ummah. There is a great need for this. Even the situation in France, the Muslims 
are being made a target. The response by the Muslims is also wrong and those who are assisting them. Nothing will be achieved through disorder and violence. The Muslims need to act in accordance to the Islamic teachings. When their words and deeds are in accordance to the Islamic teachings, only then will they attain any kind of success. In any case, we can only pray, thus pray especially for the Muslim world and for the world in general as well. That may Allah the Almighty protect everyone from injustices and establish peace and harmony in the world and enable everyone to understand the importance of fulfilling the rights of one another. Otherwise, as I have mentioned many times, the world is heading towards a huge destruction. May Allah the Almighty grant His mercy. Similarly, pray for the Ahmadis in Pakistan. May Allah the Almighty protect them from every kind of evil. In France, although it appears that there are a lot of protests taking place in support of the young boy who was killed. However, in reality, the reaction of the people there is such that I have heard that fundraising campaign was carried out for both the boy who was killed and the police officer who was arrested. The campaign for the boy has only raised 200,000 euros, whereas for the police officer regarding whom they have said that they will take action against and even the government has issued statements to this effect, they have raised over 1 million euros for him. May Allah the Almighty grant mercy and enable the people to act with justice and also enable the Muslims to become united. Alhamdulillah, 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 ومن يضل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله ونشهد أن محمدًا الله